All right. Welcome to the Page One Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Swelling from Howard Hanna Real Estate Services, welcoming you to podcast number two in our series. In episode number one, we talked about what being a realtor kind of means and what you should do in terms of trust and integrity and staying in the moral, ethical, and legal circle. But as you get your license, the next question you have to ask yourself is, what to do next. And for a lot of realtors, after they've gotten their license, they basically, you know, look around and uh, look at the first brokerage that they come across, ask to schedule a meeting, and they sign on. And they really don't take the time to vet out the brokerages that are out there. So what I would recommend for a lot of agents that are starting out is to at least interview three brokerages. And for a lot of people that have their license, they don't spend the kind of time that they need to to really get the information to make the informed decision on what brokerage is right for them. And I think that when you look at where the real estate market is, you want a brokerage that's going to be able to encapsulate all the things that you're trying to accomplish. And a lot of people don't even know what they want to accomplish. They haven't really gone down that path. So maybe even before you even sit down and and interview three brokerages and before you start to kind of do that research, if you already haven't, the first thing you should do is have a needs assessment with yourself. And for a lot of people that get their license they're so impatient because, again, they want to get the ball rolling. They want to get going. They, they want to just jump into it. But I caution you on doing that because, again, you're going to sign on with a brokerage. You're going to get all kinds of promotional materials, and you're going to put your name out there, and you're going to attach your name to that brokerage. So if you pick the wrong brokerage, again, it's you could always go to another brokerage. But again, it's starting the process over again and losing the traction that you once started. So what I would do is, again, sit down, either by yourself or with a family member, and and have that discussion, what kind of realtor you want to be. And for a lot of agents, they're like, I want to be the million dollar agent. I want to make a lot of money. Great. But really, what kind of agent do you want to be? And, And for a lot of people, they really don't know. Where do you want to work? So again, if you live in a certain area, do you want to work in that area? Or is there another town or city close by that you want to work in that you really think the market is suited for you? You know, you feel that, uh, you know, if you ever listen to a Tom Ferry podcast, Tom talks about finding your tribe. Even Malcolm Gladwell says the same thing. Because, you know, you have to work with people kind of in your circle uh, that you think that you can be happy working with. So, again, if you live in a town or a city that you don't think would kind of mesh with what you're doing, well, then maybe, you know, you look into another city. But, again, looking at what that market is like is also important. So doing a little bit of research on really um, the housing market in the township that you're looking is, is vitally important. So once you kind of figure that out and you you kind of realize, hey, okay, I want to work in this city, take a look at two to three brokerages that you think would be good suited for you and set up interviews. And before you sit down with those interviews, have a list of questions 
And again, those list of questions have to start with the conversation that you have with yourself. And that, that question is, again, what kind of realtor do I want to be? Do I want to focus on buyers? Do I want to focus on sellers? Do I want to focus on both? Do I want to, you know, be a first-time homebuyer specialist? Do I want to work with condos? Do I want to work with land and acreage? Do I want to have people come to me? Do I want to come to them? Do I want to cold call? Do do I want to uh, send out postcards? Do I want to be a very digital person uh, with digital marketing? Or all of the above. You have to figure out what you are going to look like as a realtor if it was a brick and mortar building and your name was on the front of it. And for a lot of people, that's very difficult because, again, you go to a brokerage and you're like, okay, I work for. But really, you don't work for that brokerage. That brokerage holds your license and their marketing materials are there. But you're an independent contractor. And that's one of the biggest things that a lot of people forget. They think that, again, they work for this company. Well, working as an employee job, an independent contractor is what you are. So for you, you have to right now kind of figure out when you have that brick and mortar mentality in your head, ask yourself this, what hours of operation am I going to work? Now I've had this discussion with a lot of agents and a lot of agents will say to me that, well, I'm a 24-7 agent. Are you really a 24-7 agent? If someone calls you at two o'clock in the morning when you're sleeping and they have a question about a mortgage or a house, are you going to answer? Well, some agents said, yeah, I will. But to be honest, you're supposed to be the licensed professional or at least striving to be the licensed professional. So again, would you call an insurance agent or an inspector at two o'clock in the morning and expect them to answer? The answer is probably not. Because again, professionals work a certain amount of hours and you make appointments. So again, figuring out the hours of operation. Do you have a family? Are you single? Are you a newlywed? And those have big answers to them. Because again, I remember when I started eight plus years ago, my children were very small. I have two, two girls. And again, they couldn't stay home alone. My wife works a job as well. So I had to work within the school parameters. And then after school, I had to make sure I was home for them. And then I had to wait for my wife to get home and then I can go back out. So I had to juggle a schedule, which was difficult for real estate in in aspects of showing homes and doing things. So again, when my children were younger, it was a lot different than it is now where I can leave my kids home for a little bit and kind of go out and do things so my schedule has opened. But again, that's a question you have to ask yourself and you have to be real to say my hours of operation are. Now, a lot of agents are secretive and they don't tell people or don't promote their business in such a way. There's full-time agents, there's part-time agents. And a lot of times part-time agents that have a full-time job don't tell their clients that they're part-time for fear that they won't use them in turn for a Uh, another agent that's out there uh, that's full-time, which is understandable. But again, if your hours of operation are, again, let's say, you know, five o'clock till 10 o'clock in the evening, 
Well, then that's kind of how you should be marketing yourself. You know, I tell people when I sit down with them, I work from 9 a.m. till 8 p.m., unless it's a contract day. And this gives people an idea when to call me and when to hear a response from me. And setting that expectation up front, I think, is really important. A lot of people don't do that. So again, figuring out my hours of operation. Am I a a seven-day-a-week guy? Because again, a lot of agents will tell you, yes, I am. And after a couple months of working seven-plus days every day, 24 hours, 356 days a year, you get burned out. So you have to schedule yourself days off. Now, what I mean by scheduling a day off is, let's say, for instance, you're going to plan in your week that Wednesday is a day that really seems like a good day to take off. So if nothing's going on, you're going to do all your stuff. You're going to pay your bills. You're going to get your doctor's appointments. You're going to run your errands. But you have to do that. And you have to kind of plan for that. A lot of people forget about family, health, religion, you know, physical physical things that they need to take care of themselves. Because again, if you're not in good shape mentally, physically, uh, you know, relationship-wise, it's going to affect your business. And you may not think so right now because you're very eager and you're, you're jumping out there. But again, deciding that, again, go out and buy a planner, a regular planner for the year. And you, And one of the first things you should do is start to take, you know, two different color pens one of them that's personal and one of them is business even more color coats I have some agent friends that have a rainbow of colors in, the, in their calendar I'm, I'm not that guy but again you get the idea where they're so structured and so organized that it helps them so again get two two pens again maybe a red and, and maybe a black when you do that it's important for you to write in the doctor's appointments, write in the dance recitals, uh, write in the parent-teacher conferences. Because again, you have, and those are appointments. And what a, a lot of people say when they talk to a client is, yeah, I, I have to take my kids to the doctor. And I have to, you have an appointment, point blank. They don't need to know the intricate details of why you're not available. Does anyone that you call to make an appointment, do they tell you the exact nature of why they're not available? They're on an appointment, and that's okay. When you decide that, those hours of operation, it's going to make some structure. And then you have to figure out, again, the kind of return time you are going to set for yourself as an agent. And, And what I mean by that is... How are you going to respond when someone calls you? Now, again, someone says, well, I'll call you back in 24 hours and, and, and I'll get back to you. Now, that could be the expectation that you set. But in the day and age that we're in right now, it's the, it's the I want now, I want yesterday kind of mentality where people are very impatient. So I think setting a 24-hour parameter might not do well for your business. It's just my opinion. <clears throat> But what I think is super important is that you maybe set a four to eight hour uh, return time. You know, hey, listen, if you call me and you get my voicemail, which again, you should create a professional voicemail once you find the brokerage saying that you're not available, leave a name and number and they'll get back to them. Because again, 
people that call you are not going to always get a hold of you. Now, I have agents that will tell me, Jason, I answer every single phone call. Well, when you're on an appointment with another client or you're at a doctor's office or a dance recital, are you picking up the phone? And if you are, my opinion is shame on you. Because again, professionals deal with, with things a certain way. And you have to set that expectation up front. And I think a lot of people don't do that. I think a lot of people, you know, just are so reactionary. And when you are, when you are always on the receiving end of, of phone calls and all these other types of things, you're not able to really be in control of your schedule. And that's a problem. So for me, you have to really set that expectation. And for me, it's a four-hour type thing. I would say to someone, hey, listen, uh, if I'm with a client, I don't answer the phone, I give them my undivided attention, so therefore I'm not going to be able to return your call. But within four hours, I will get back to you. And I think that's reasonable enough. The same thing goes for the phone. And I've had that discussion with a lot of people where they have turned around and said to me, I answer every phone call. Well, for me, and don't answer every phone call. Because again, if I'm with a client, I'm giving them my undivided attention. And if they say, well, you know, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose that client. My opinion is, if you have somebody that is that impatient, that on the first call, they get your voicemail, that they don't leave a voicemail and they go to somebody else, do you really want to work with that person? Because that person probably is really not on the same page as you. So therefore, you're not able to uh, work with that person. So again, you're leaving a voicemail and they're going to call them, you know, call them back when you're done. I think that's really important. Uh, That's an expectation. And again, uh, I've never had a problem with that. And again, how many hours a week are you going to work? How many days are you going to work? How many hours in a day are you going to work? Those are questions you have to have with yourself and set that up up front. And then, kind of when you figure that out, then it's time to think about the brokerage that you're going to interview. And the question that you kind of have to write down on paper is, you know, what does this company offer? First of all, how much is it going to pay out in their split? If you don't know already about commission splits, you have to figure out what your brokerage is going to pay you. So on a normal commission split, uh, it's separated four ways. It's first split, so if it's a, say for instance, a 6% commission or a 7% commission, it's divided in half. And then it's divided amongst the brokerages. So the agent takes half and the brokerage takes half. And you can negotiate a higher split uh, with your brokerage or if they have some kind of uh, monetary commission system that the more deals you do, the more money you make. These are questions you have to ask. Technology. What does your brokerage that you're interviewing have? What kind of value proposition do they provide to support the agents? Do they have an administrative staff? Do they have a marketing staff? Do they have website presence? Are they involved in social media? Are they big into the community? Do they have office space? Do they charge for office space? Do they provide free paperwork, pens? Do they have parking? Um, Do they have a conference room that you can take clients to and meet? Because again, there's a lot of brokerages out there that are very small that maybe hold three to four agents or there's some that'll hold 60 to 100. But what works for you? 
do you want to be in a large office with a lot of agents and very busy and a lot of moving parts or do you want to be in an intimate brokerage setting a boutique or something that's more mobile based or more cloud based where basically you're setting up shop from home and you're basically only going to your office or your brokerage every once in a while those are questions you have to ask now for me I like to go to the office for me I like to set up shop and I like to start my day at the office I feel that it's it's easier for me and it's more professional I like the fact that I don't have a huge office we maybe have 30 to 40 agents that are on our agent roster and it's intimate enough in a setting where I have the room to you know use the conference rooms and the common areas and also have my own office space which I can keep all my stuff together it's important to know that where you're going to set up shop because again if you're constantly only working out of your bag or you're working from a kitchen table it's very difficult for you to be organized and again those are types of things that you have to figure out Um, what's most important to the brokerage where is the brokerage located now my brokerage is located near a throughway so I'm really 20 minutes from anywhere and I chose that because to me uh, I can get in the car and really much be anywhere in Western New York and that's kind of the Western New York way you can kind of be 20 minutes from anywhere uh, but again me being centrally located was a great spot my brokerage has parking so when I meet with clients they have a parking space they don't have to look you know downtown and look around at a conference room that's big enough where they can bring their family sit down uh, and do stuff like that also my brokerage has a great digital presence great marketing good admin staff and basically checked off all the boxes that i needed and continues to get better when i first started out my brokerage was realty usa and that company was sold to howard Hanna real estate services which i currently work at and they are now you know really growing and getting bigger and basically all down the east coast and the more buying power that they have the more leverage and tools and training really suits my needs do i use all that stuff no but again it's available to me for me to use and for me it's important to have those options because again the kind of agent that i am i like tools i like technology and i like the ability to use whatever is going to be right for my client so again setting that that expectation asking those types of questions is vitally important to you know picking the the brokerage again are you going to be compatible with the manager that's there are you going to be compatible with the admin staff if, if they have one and the agents that are there now you have to remember that when working in a brokerage you're working against competition But it doesn't always have to be that way. My brokerage and my office, I have some really great people that I work with. And if I have a question, they're humble enough to answer that question without fear of me taking their business. Because again, we all have different things that are out there and, uh, you know, different people that we know. Our sphere of influence is different. And we'll talk about that in podcast number three about how to build your database how to build your sphere of influence, where to look, and how to promote yourself. But right now, again, those are questions that I think you need to ask yourself on those brokerages. And after you have those three interviews and you've answered those questions, you write them down on the paper with a pros and cons type thing, you need to make a decision. 
And again, those three brokerages might all not be your fit or they might be very close. So again, do your research. And I caution you again, if you go online to take a look around uh, of Google reviews and Yelp reviews, because again, some of these are financially motivated uh, from the brokerages. So again, word of mouth. Hey, what do you think of XYZ Realty? What do you think of Main Street Realty? What do you think of, you know, Billy Bob Realty? Well, those, you know, and you're going to hear people say, wow, they're great, or I really don't like them. But again, one person doesn't make a trend. You got to get some data. And it's something that I think that a lot of people don't spend a lot of time when they get their real estate license. They really don't put themselves in that that mindset. They just kind of latch on. It's almost like statistics where when someone's looking to buy or sell a home, they often use the first realtor they call on. And again, I caution people to do some research and vet out uh, the agent as well as the broker. So hopefully... This will get you on a good start to kind of build your business, asking yourself some inward questions and then going to some brokerages and doing some research. Once you do that, you can make an informed decision to find out what brokerage or real estate agency is best for you. That's all the time I have for now. Tune into episode three where we start to talk about building your sphere of influence and building your contacts so that you can get yourself out there in the marketplace. Talk to you soon. Thanks.